The fan holes do not endorse the use of the word twink in a derogatory fashion. They heard it used this way on a message board in an attempt to describe an actor who did not have a fantastic, terrific body like me. Please keep this in mind as you're listening to this week's podcast. Welcome back to Fan Holes. I hope you enjoyed Gestinction Agenda. It was a fun thing we did. Just real quick before we get started this week, I want to go ahead and uh, throw out many thanks to Justin Spurlock, Kevin Rich, and uh, Paige, our Kurabako, as you may know her. Those guys were really great to lend some of their time to the podcast. Hopefully we'll have them back on in the future if they feel up to it. But this week, Gestinction Agenda has ended. We're going to go ahead with our normal show. Got some good stuff coming up. Tonight we're going to talk about a few interesting things. We've got a roundtable discussion, pretty much about shows that went away before their time. You know, they just didn't live up to network expectations. They were really cool. We liked them, wanted to see more. So we're all going to talk about that this week. We're also going to go a little someplace cold. Superman, I don't know if you know this, devoted listeners, he decided that America is no good. And he renounces his citizenship. We're going to talk about that, figure out why such an iconic American figure would be written that way, and if it's even a good idea. We're going to go into the Thor movie. I have to say, sadly, I have not seen it yet, but I will throw in my two cents of what I do know. I've been wanting to see it really bad. All the other fan holes have seen it, so you'll get a lot of information from that. And for the future, makes a triumph return as we talk about Conan trailer. Conan the Barbarian is back, and he's a twink. oh but yeah let's get this ball rolling here folks i am uh tony you may know me as chain claw on the bot talk forums who else is here tonight guys hey this is derek you know me as derek wc um mike uh thunderwing justin grimlock all right guys i did get a missive from brian he is right now tunneling underneath his negative zone prison wall He's hoping to be out soon. We may not really get a chance to hear him this week, though, because Jack of Hearts is supposed to be the guy picking him up. So, Yeah, we all know what a, what a trustworthy Avenger the Jack of Hearts is. He'll, he'll, he'll show up and explode. <laughs> I'm fucking you up! <laughs> Scott Lang, no! I'm here for you. Explode. Disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights the never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the... Actually, I want to save the roundtable for a little bit later. I want to go ahead and probably kind of hit on more recent stuff. Go ahead and talk about Superman renouncing his citizenship. A lot of comic fans are on the fence about this. They're just not pleased with it. Like I said, he's an iconic American figure. A lot of people all over the world know who Superman is, and he's often portrayed as an American hero. 
Mike, what do you what do you think about this whole thing? Uh, you know, I think it kind of smacks of, you know, I don't know, like a uh, publicity stunt, I'd say, almost, you know. And uh, I, I should say, boy, did he time that one wrong, you know. Not even a week, <laughs> not even a week after uh, they released that issue, you know, like the U.S. successfully found and killed Osama bin Laden. So, you know, that kind of wasn't fortuitous timing for D.C., I'd say. As for the move itself... You know, I, I know Derek's going to talk about this probably more at length, but uh, you know, so I, I won't I won't steal his argument as it were. But yeah, I, I think it it doesn't really work so well with the character because, like, you know, once you say like, once if he says like, oh, I'm not going to like favor America or whatever, he might as well say, well, I'm not going to favor Earth because you know how many <laughs> times does he how many times does he step on another planet and like muck with their business? Like aliens, but but it's okay because they're aliens, you know. It it doesn't matter <laughs> them, but once he mucks with Earth politics, oh man, then you know serious shit goes down. So, but yeah, yeah. that's all. I, I'll leave. I'll leave. I know Derek's gonna say a lot about this, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, since Derek's got a lot to say about, it, I want to go ahead and get Justin's views real quick, so uh, we can give Derek the full floor when he's ready. What do you think about it, Justin? As far as that little story goes, uh, you know, it was kind of a short story uh, in uh, Action Comics number 900. It was actually a pretty good story up until that point where he was, you know, like, I renounced my citizenship. Because it, uh, it was a nice story. Like, he went to some uh, peace rally over in, like, Iran or something, and he just kind of stood there for 24 hours. I thought that was all uh, kind of neat. But then it kind of it took a whole other direction when he was like, and I'm going to resign my citizenship. And I was just kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> What sense does that make? But, Sorry, uh, that yeah, made me laugh. It was like he, he stood there for 24 hours and like years, like with super hearing. You know, Clark, Metropolis is burning. Hold on, peace conference. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm standing. I'm I'm busy getting hit with Molotov cocktails. I will have to save your city some other time. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like at the end of the story, after that, he's like, and it was totally worth it because a, a protester gave a soldier a flower. <laughs> like, yeah. The, that 24 hours was well spent. You know, he, he could have been, you know, airlifting food or, you know, fighting uh, Doomsday or, or doing something well, it, else. But. It's entirely possible that no one was in peril for that entire 24-hour par- well, period. <laughs> the other thing I keep thinking of is that scene in Chasing Amy where they, they draw the picture and he's like, here's, you know, the Easter Bunny, here's Santa Claus, here's, like, the man-friendly, cute lesbian, and here's the angry, like, butch, you know, man-hating lesbian. It's like, which of these, you know, sticks out? He's like, the butch one, because all the other ones aren't fucking real. (laughs) Like, I I don't know, it made me think of that, because I'm kind of like, oh, yes, that would totally happen. Like, someone would give a soldier a flower, and they'd smile and have a moment, like, in the middle of all that. Because Superman stood there for 24 hours. I don't know, he's a little naive to me, but... Don't you think they, like, probably, you know, Superman realizes that they weren't doing it as a gesture of, like, peace and love? They're like, Superman is standing right fucking there. He's going to punch our fucking head off if we don't do something sweet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, be on your best behavior. Superman is standing. (laughs) Right there. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) Mike said you uh, did have a little bit of a kind of a deeper look at this, Derek. What, What, what? Really I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like it needs to be built up that much. But, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I, obviously I wasn't happy about it when I heard about it. And then what's funny is, you know, you hear about something first almost before you get a chance to read it. 
So, like Mike says, it does kind of smack of a, you know, you know, it, sound, it seems like something designed to grab people's attention and just cause controversy for the sake of causing controversy. You know, they wanted people to talk about something. And then as far as the actual logic in him renouncing his citizenship, like Grimlock or Justin said, it, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you could take the analogy that Mike made and, and you know, it's kind of like just going a step further. But if, you know, most people that sort of read the news and then, you know, because I think most of the news outlets kind of wrote it as Superman hates America. Superman thinks America <laughs> is the balls. Or, you know, Superman can't stand America. And then people go, what? Like, what's this about? And then they read the story. And of course, it's all, you know, sensationalistic news. You know, it's, 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 you know, the title of the actual article doesn't reflect the actual contents inside. It's like, no, he's not, you know, he doesn't hate America or whatever like that. But you read the story, but it, it just doesn't seem to make much sense. You kind of say, oh, okay, Superman's there. Like, there, there was this guy, uh, I, I, they posted it on uh, on Bot Talk, but there's this guy named Kal-El Prime, I guess, and he, I guess, is some British guy who reviews toys or something like that on YouTube or whatever. But apparently, you know, because his name is Kal-El Prime, he's like the biggest Superman fan in the world, right? So he spends about, like, 20 minutes talking about how he understands Superman and you know, he understands that he comes from Midwestern values and that he's raised in America. And so you're listening to the guy thinking, oh, well, he probably gets that this is kind of stupid. And then about, you know, 30 minutes into it, he's like, and bravo, DC, bravo. <laughs> you know, and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, so you think this is like the greatest thing ever. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know what Americans have a problem with it. They need to get over it. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know. To me, I'm kind of like, uh, I think the rest of the world needs to get over the fact that Superman's been an American for, like, ever since he was created and just leave it alone. But And, and what's interesting about that is not a month after Action Comics comes out, if you've read the latest issue, which is 901, because this came out, like, last month or whatever, Obama's there going, hey, Superman, America needs your help. You know, I mean, it's basically <laughs> like, goddamn video games and shit you know and the meteors come in to like you know wreck the world and shit and of course they can't blow it up you know so it's like to me i think it's kind of hilarious because it seems like you know obviously the outcry was enough that they probably tried to squeeze that in at the last minute or something and be like don't don't hit us in the face you know rest of the world or you know america or whatever but um anyway this guy cal prime who went into his big rant he, he started off by saying like he probably understood uh, maybe Americans who were nationalistic and might have some problem with it because he himself had a bunch of pride in the royal wedding. You know, that was part of his nationalism. So, you know, part of me thought like, oh, well, maybe he does understand where people might be coming from. But then I thought about it, and I'm kind of like, well, if he thinks it's such a great move and it's bravo and, you know, Americans should get over it, uh, to me, I thought, well, if he has all this nationalism about the royal wedding, it's like, how would he feel if all of a sudden I wrote a comic book where, you know, James Bond is like, you know, he gets the royal wedding invitation, he pulls down his fly and pisses all over it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, well, I don't really like the royals. They're too prim and proper and all this pomp and circumstance. You know, fix me a martini, you know, shaken, not stirred, and, you know, I'm not going. You know, and I'm sure whether people have watched or read James Bond books you know, for years, or whether they had a casual interest in it, I'm sure the average British citizen would have had some two cents about that if there was a story written like that, and they'd be all irate. You know, you got the guy who's for queen and country, 
you know, serving queen and country. And if he did something as sacrilegious as that, I'm sure everybody would have an opinion on it. And it's the same thing in this case. You know, I don't think too many people, you know, that were Americans or fans of Superman were happy about it. And the people that, that don't care about it, I think, don't have any sense of nationalism, and they never will. So, I mean, it seems like that odd turn of events where, you know, you don't want to dwell on it too much, but it seems like people that immigrate to the country either take advantage and, and sort of, you know, come to appreciate all the, the rights and privileges that they have, or they just take them for granted. You know, there are people that immigrate over here, take all the money and go back home or whatever they do. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it just seems like if that's the case, you know, then it's like, you, I don't know. It just seems kind of, you know, it's like truth, justice in the American way. You know, they always try to overshadow the American way because it's not popular right now or it's not, you know, viewed as you can't monetize it anymore because if you import a movie to, you know, if you import Captain America, they can't call it Captain America, right? Because that'd be too much, right? They got to call it the first Avenger. Anyway, the, the the good news to me about it is it just seems like it's an eight-page story that honestly I don't think anybody's going to take into a great deal of consideration. You know, it doesn't seem like if they had some long-term story planned with it. I mean, I think even if they did, it it should have been comparable to something like you know Asbats or something. You know, yeah. something where you know. Azrael shows up and he's breaking people's backs and doing all kinds of nasty shit. And the, the writers are praying that nobody loves it because they know eventually the whole point of the story is Bruce Wayne's going to come back and, you know, prove like why this person is a better Batman than the guy who, you know, slices people up with razor rings and throws them into, uh, you know, hot steaming piles of uh, molten lava or whatever the hell he did to an uh, abattoir, you know, and stuff like that. So I would think if there was an actual long-term story planned, it might be like, oh, I'm going to give it up for a while, my citizenship, and then they could do a whole bunch of stories where, of course, it doesn't matter because guys like Ahmadinejad are going to find reasons to be pissed off with the U.S. and want to attack it or, you know, malign its name or anything like that, whether Superman goes and flies into a peaceful protest or not. You know, I mean, it's naive, and it's the same thing with the comparison to Earth and America. You know, it's like, they show a picture of them beating up Darkseid. It's like, oh, I'm good at beating up alien invaders, but when it comes to politics, I'm no good. And it's kind of like, uh, okay, well, aren't there politics in fucking outer space, too? <laughs> you know, like, it just seems like it's kind of laughable, because you're thinking like, well, look, if he's afraid of you know, he's like, I don't want to be associated, you know, my the act, my actions to be associated with American policy. Well, guess what, buddy? When you fly into space, all of your actions are associated with the planet Earth's fucking policy. So <laughs> if you go and, like, do a Kryptonian fart on fucking uh, you know, Zod or Darkseid or whoever the fuck, then, you know, Mongol, then Warworld's going to come back and go, hey, let's blow up fucking Earth. So it's like he might as well not even live on Earth, or he might as well fucking live in Antarctica for all anybody cares. You know, like, anyway, it sorry. Like, it seems kind of like a cop-out. It's like, uh, I'm just going to take care of, like, aliens and stuff, so everybody on Earth is like, huh, okay. And all the aliens are like, oh, now we got to deal with this dickhead, like, telling us what to do and how to be freaking peaceful and shit. I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah. I was going to say, like, he apply, he clearly applies, like, American ideals to situations he handles, like, out in space and stuff, you know, like, 
freedom and you know truth. Yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. I mean, so people always go, "What does the American way mean?" I mean, to me, it's very simple. It means freedom and democracy. If you want to get into semantics over, you know. American history and how that was implemented or, you know, whatever, fine. But I, I don't want to hear about it in a comic book. They'll yeah, have to stop doing that because not all aliens want freedom. Yeah, or democracy, yeah. apparently. You, you think this SMHS stands for socialism? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, yeah, that, that's my only problem is, like, you know, I look at it this way. You're talking about the James Bond thing. It's like Superman is an American character created in America to represent American values. Why the fuck can he not be Americanized? What is so wrong about that? I mean, I just don't understand that. You know, you're talking about the first Avenger with Captain America. We've all read it. We all know it. But still, like you just said, Justin, you know, like the Ultimates, you know, like you think this A on my head stands for France? You know, it's like <laughs> a symbol is not a bad thing, especially if it's a positive one. Superman's a positive symbol. Why is it bad to have a positive symbol for America? I, I'm just not seeing the logic. It's like Superman's too good for America. It seems is like what they're saying with that. You know, story. I mean, I, it seems like it's part of a, a grander, grandiose kind of thing where they want to apply some kind of uh, larger world sensibility to it, where he's saying, oh, you know, uh, I've been thinking too small. I've got to think at the bigger level. But, I mean, that could easily go into uh, another kind of gripe I have with that story because it's very self-contained. Because if you look at the current run, which is by JMS – it's not very grandiose. He's decided to stop flying and to walk around America to pick up their problems. Now, do I like that storyline? Do I think it's like the greatest thing ever? I kind of think it's just a weird rip on, you know, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and I'm kind of, you know, over that kind of scene. But if you look at the current books, it seems to contradict itself just right there. I mean, here you've got somebody who's trying to look at the smaller picture because he thinks he's missing the little things. But then here in another story, you've got him going, oh, yes, I look at things too small. Like, I've got to look at the grander scheme of things and in the grander scheme of things. And it's like, you know, if the U.N. wasn't a bunch of corrupt fucks, then maybe he'd have a point. But it's not, so... And I guess I'm getting too, I, you know, I don't want to talk too much of politics, but, you know, because it's, but this is a someplace cold and it is kind of a bitch session. So, you know, that's yeah. just well, my I mean, kind of thinking. I mean, there is no world to be a citizen of because there's no ruling body of the world, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So the, you can't make that leap of logic. He's basically now saying he's a citizen of nothing. So he doesn't stand for anything. As opposed to before, he stood for truth, justice, and the American way. Or if you want to quote like Gail Simone or somebody, they like to say, "Oh, truth, justice, and the right way." Well, whatever makes you, you know, go to sleep better at night. But that's that's kind of my deal. Now, the only thing I'll say is like, you know, I have no problem with your rant about it because I mean, if nothing else, what Mike said about it being a publicity stunt, it, it did kind of work. It got people talking. I'll give him that, but. Was it a good publicity stunt? Time will tell on that one. I'll agree with you on that. It's just, just well, it seems like they've already kind of gone back on it, you know, especially with the current issue of Action Comics. I mean, you know, I, I thought maybe people were making a bigger deal out of that than there was. But, I mean, I, I think it kind of sends a message where the, the very next issue, you know, in the regular sort of, you know, it's not an eight-page story. It's in the regular Action Comics storyline. Yeah. You know, they kind of go, they kind of have, you know, the president going, hey, Superman, your country needs you. Like, hey, you're still 
a member of this country, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We sort of, <laughs> we sort of have egg on our faces. So we're going to try and wipe it off. Uh, you're still a member of this country, numb nuts. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but don't you have like an apartment in America? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I, I was going to make like a little joke, like, you know, next month in an action comics issue is going to be like, Huh, I've had this red kryptonite ring on for the last two months. Duh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I'm an American. Everything's cool. Look, apple pie, flag. Well, I think good. I think you said you said too, Derek. This is just coming off to that whole walk across America arc, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it coincides with that. I, I mean, I've been keeping up with that fairly regularly. I don't think I've read the last couple issues, but you know, and there's some touchy, weird kind of things that, that JMS tries to deal with, like he always does, where he tries to tackle, like, alien immigration, you know, and, and, and other kind of, you know, politically, you know, fireworks, you know, kind of, you know, controversial issues. <laughs> politically charged. Um, but, but yeah, he is trying to look at the smaller things. He's trying to look at people who have, uh, you know, who have jobs or are losing jobs, you know, different things like that when he's doing his sort of, you know, his cross-country walk. You're big. Fought bigger. We're going to go ahead and move along then, since uh, I think we've pretty much set our piece on that for right now. Again, like I said, I want to kind of save the roundtable for a little bit later, so let's go ahead and uh, jump into Thor. Big, big movie released by Marvel uh, Studios. Did a lot of money. Reception has been pretty good. Again, I feel like crap because I haven't had a chance to see it. Nobody... I no wants to go see it when i'm off work <laughs> but uh, i know a lot of you guys seen it and you pretty much dug it uh, justin man what do you think about thor pretty good i thought it was pretty good it lived up to uh, my expectations i mean i thought it would be a pretty good movie and i went in going you know with some friends and i liked it what about what about you mike what do you what do you think about thor pretty yeah i really stuff? enjoyed it I, i've seen it i saw it twice actually I liked it both each time, and uh, yeah, it's it's about as good as I figured they could make a Thor movie, pretty much. Which is not like a insult or anything. I'm just saying, like you know, it was like not overly Hollywoodized. Like the the basically the worst they did was not have him speak in Thor speak, which is a tragic loss. But I guess you know people would not respond well to that who weren't familiar with Thor. I'd bet. But otherwise, you know, I really liked it. I thought every the acting was very good. The only the only sore spot, I guess, is maybe you know Asgard looked a little wonky in like the the darker scenes. Like it looked kind of like like my friend was saying, it looked kind of like a thing something from a video game almost. Yeah, I don't know. It looked like a Tron city, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> otherwise, yeah, it's kinda, I guess it's kind of hard to to do it any other way. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, but. Uh, other than that, you know, I loved it. I loved the Hawkeye cameo, obviously, and uh, you know, I'm I'm very pleased. I can't I cannot wait to see you know Hemsworth and Downey Jr. and Evans all together in the same movie next year. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But, but Mike Hawkeye didn't do anything. He didn't even shoot any arrows. <laughs> he, he knocked it. That was enough for me. <laughs> I, I was going to mention that. I was like, yeah. I mean, how could you love Hawkeye? His appearance meant nothing. Rawr. Oh gosh, we 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 know a guy who yeah was not pleased with the Hawkeye cameo. Not every cameo has to mean something. Sometimes it's just cool that they show up, right? Right. <laughs> uh, what about you, Derek? Did you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed Thor a lot. 
I, I can echo Mike's sentiments about the acting. I mean, I, I think it's interesting that, that there wasn't as much pseudo Shakespearean speak given that, that Kenneth Branagh was directing. I, I started to get a little concerned that maybe in the trailers and some of the clips I saw that maybe there was going to be a bunch of mud fighting like in uh, the, the sloppy Frankenstein fights. But <laughs> the, the movie actually turned out to be really, really entertaining. I, I liked it a lot. And for the for the most part, I, I was genuinely happy with the, the majority of casting and, and people in it. I, I I have a soft spot for Volstag, and for some reason I just thought he was a dude in a fat suit, whereas he could have <laughs> been, like, a whole lot more than that. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm being too hard on the guy or whatever, but he just he seemed like a really well-trained British actor who was a really tall guy, and they gave him a pillow, you know, like, <laughs> and... That's that's really not Volstag, you know, like I, I kind of was thinking about, you know, somebody like Burl Ives or, you know, you know, I know obviously you couldn't cast Burl Ives today, but, you know, somebody of that stature and, and kind of girth and, you know, life and, you know, it, it'd be like Volstag should be somebody you cast as Falstaff, you know, in a Shakespearean play. And I just thought the casting for him was a little off, I thought. But but I guess that's a minor quirk, you know, in an overall movie that I thought was was fun. You know, I thought I'd be kind of disappointed that Don Blake wasn't around, but it, I really didn't bug me at all. You know, I thought, you know, they they tried to handle it cutely with you know their little references to uh, the the old boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. I I can't you know fault Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. I think she's really beautiful and you know made for a really good uh, love interest in the movie. And yeah, I mean I. I definitely enjoyed it. I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing all all three of the Avengers, you know, working together and stuff like that. And yeah, so good stuff. Cool. Oh, excellent. I really want to see it. I mean, I echoed that sentiment uh, in an earlier uh, fan holes podcast. I'm really wanting to just check it out. I did notice one thing in the trailers that I assume is going to be a running thing, maybe with him. So is Thor's pretty much cat catchphrase you're big fault bigger <laughs> in the tra it's kind of out of context in the trailer like in the trailer they make it look like he's talking to the destroyer armor but in the actual movie he's just talking to a big shield agent he has to fight he's just actually talking to the kingpin actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's actually talking to michael duncan clark or michael duncan clark's like stand in or something <laughs> duncan michael clark <laughs> Cool. I yeah. I so want to see this. So I'm just gonna have to get it done. It sounds awesome. I'm glad to see you guys liked it too. That uh, just only kind of enhances my desire to want to go check it out. Yeah, uh, I, I think there was some some concern at least on my part. I, I think some people echoed this that I talked to, but that you know there there kind of was the assumption that oh okay, Iron Man was a surprise hit. You know, like I, I don't think anybody expected Iron Man to do as well as it did. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're going to have Thor, we're going to have Cap, and then we're going to have the Avengers. In the back of my head, I went, oh, there's so much shit that could go wrong with this. Like, I really want to see a cool Avengers movie. But I'm like, ooh, what if Thor bombs? You know, what if Cap bombs? Like, what if, you know, just all these kind of things that could happen. I mean, you know, sure enough, there's, you know, some weird stuff going on with Hulk and who's cast as Bruce Banner. But... At least to me, I'm like, okay, Iron Man made some good money. That's a good veritable property. And Thor had a good, you know, opening weekend, you know. And so I was kind of thinking like, oh, hey, well, hey, we got two for two. Now, you know, Cap, the trailer looks really, really great. So now I'm sort of less 
concerned about the viability of, of all three of those properties alongside, you know, leading into an Avengers movie. Like, I hope it works out really great, you know, as great as, as you know, a comic fan would hope for. But, yeah, Marvel Studios has done a really good job of handling their properties. I think it's a much better idea to have them all under one, you know, entity instead of, like, handing Spider-Man out to Sony. Yeah, Fox still has <clears throat> X-Men, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, like, uh, you know, trying to have as many there flagship characters under one roof is definitely a much better idea all right cool thor definitely gonna check it out i appreciate the feedback definitely a must see we're gonna move on to our big roundtable discussion of the week like i said earlier when i was talking about the show we're gonna pretty much go over some stuff that was canceled or ended before its time things that we really liked but the network just said no Ah, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal <laughs> we call it the fox syndrome we also like to call it the uh, the Gene Gray Award stuff yeah. that's dead and may not come back. Yeah, <laughs> she does have a tendency to come back, but right now she seems pretty dead. So yeah, these shows seem to be in the same status. I know Justin was uh, talking about this earlier, so I know you got a show you miss dearly. Would you care to tell us about a five year voyage that ended apparently a little too soon? <laughs> well, it ended up being a four year voyage uh, actually, but. Uh... Yeah, my show was uh, Enterprise. I know it, ha- you know it got uh, you know four seasons, but uh, for a Star Trek series, you know, original series aside, that's pretty short. All the other uh, shows went for seven seasons, and uh, I felt the show really didn't find its legs until the third season with the, the uh, season-long uh, Zindi story arc. I thought that was a really good storyline, and then the fourth season was all you know, pretty much about you know laying the foundation for the Federation and. You know, they were getting to some uh, shenanigans with the Romulans and stuff, and, you know, I was I was really looking forward to seeing where they were going to go next season. I was just going to say, I, I totally agree. Like, the tease of the Romulans, you know, being a OG Star Trek fan, you know, I, I kind of was thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to get to see, you know, the Romulan War. And I, the, the fourth season for me was where I kind of really, you know, it, it's funny. I think I have this weird pattern with Star Trek shows where I watch the first season and kind of go, ah, this is nothing like the last show. It sucks. And then I get mad and don't watch it for like three seasons. And then like by the fourth season or fifth season, they do something really cool, like bring Worf on the show or, you know, Seven <laughs> of Nine's got boobs. And I'm just like, hey, <laughs> like I start watching now, you know, and then I kind of start watching. And, and with fourth season of Enterprise, it was a lot like that. You know, you had you had the, the mirror verse episode and I'm like, hey, boobs, you know, and like <laughs> you know, you've had the Orion slave girls and the Tholian web and all this really cool you know, old school stuff going on, you know, that, that, uh, I guess classic fans of Trek could totally get into. And so, but yeah, and then you kind of felt like, oh crap, now they canceled it. And, uh, some of the stuff that they've uh, said would have happened in season five would have been really interesting. You know, they talked about adding Shran as a member of the Enterprise crew. They were going to go to that cloud city from the original series. I forget the name of that city. Bespin? They're gonna have Lando there? That'd be awesome. (laughs) Star Trek fans cry out in agony. (laughs) He Um, he knocks up to Paul. It works every time. (laughs) Speaking of to Paul, they were gonna reveal that the big reason that she was so emotional was her father was a Romulan, and they were gonna kind of go into that. They also were gonna completely redesign the look of uh, the Enterprise. It was gonna look. More like the original Enterprise, they're going to give it kind of the bottom of Star Drive section, kind of. That's cool. Now I kind of want to see that season. Jeez. 
Oh, yeah, wow. no, there were there were. I mean, it it, it it was an interesting show because I think I think like the J.J. Abrams movie, the pilot of Enterprise really tried to capture an audience that was not a traditional Star Trek audience. And I think, you know, for the pilot, it worked, and they did get a lot of buzz and interest. I remember I was hanging out with a girl at the time who really didn't want anything, you know, wouldn't have wanted anything to do with Star Trek very much. And even she was telling me when the pilot was airing, she's like, yeah, we should go watch that. You know, and I kind of thought, oh, well, obviously their advertising was really doing the trick, you know, at least when, you know, where I was, you know, and, and so people were really interested in it, but I think it didn't hold the new people and it sort of, because it ruined the childhoods of 60 year old Trekkies or whatever, <laughs> maybe they, they kind of lost that core audience until they started doing, you know, some of the fan service stuff with the, you know, the Orion slave girls and, and all that kind of stuff. But by then it was kind of too little too late. Um, I, I totally agree with you that the, the third season, the Zindi season was really, really good. It was a nice narrative. It, it kind of reminded me of, of the 24 style of telling stories. I, I you know, I, I did not watch every single season of 24, but I guess what I mean by that is the kind of, you know, narrative of almost like a novel over, you know, 24 episodes, you know, as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, traditionally in Star Trek, yeah, you might get one or two two-part storylines or something like that. But for the most part, a lot of the stories are, you know, even if they have an overriding arc of, oh, by the way, the Borg are coming, the Borg are coming, the Borg are coming, it might be spread out like kind of like an X-Files thing where they deal with a couple of the mythos episodes and then go into, you know, some standalone episodes and things mm -hmm. like that. With the Zindi thing, it was very centralized. It was, and it was very post 9-11 and, you know, it, it just hit a lot of, you know, strong chords, I think. I mean, at least to me, that that was a very strong, strong season. But, yeah, so. I was going to say that uh, the third season kind of reminded me of the uh, sixth season of Buffy, where they took the characters to a leading place. You know, they had Archer. He still he stole some warp coils or whatever he, he stole from those aliens. You know, he knew it was the wrong decision, but, you know, that's the decision that they went with. You know, they took T'Pol to a dark place. She was shooting up with drugs or whatever she was doing because, you know, she was wanting to experience emotions. And, you know, that led to her relationship with Trip and uh I just I thought it was really interesting. That's what kind of why that's kind of why I like the uh, sixth season of Buffy because you know when you take characters and put them in a really bad place, it's really interesting to see you know what they'll do and you know what's at the core of that character. Like once once they're faced with that decision, you know when they do it, how does it affect them? That's that's what interests me. Yeah, you kind of like seeing people dig themselves out of some holes and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I know there was yeah, like a little bit of backlash from like hardcore trekkers or trekkies or whatever the hell they want to call themselves these days. But like Enterprise is a weird creature for me. It's much better than Voyager. I'll give it that any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I would have liked to see go on, but and we will save this for later unless you want to talk about it, Justin. But there's also stuff like the finale where you're just scratching your head going, what? <laughs> you know? Oh. Like I said earlier, I could complain about that last episode, you know, for a whole someplace cult segment because I have a lot to say on that. But yeah, yeah. Even a two-year-old could tell you that was a terrible <laughs> last episode. Yeah, but but as long as it's not Naomi Wildman in the holodeck, <laughs> flippers and poppers and shit, then it's the the adventures of Flutter. Yes. Oh gosh, yeah, she was terrible. I hated her. 
Oh, you got to see her grow up. Who cares? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, what about you, Derek? What was your uh, show that you kind of miss having around? Well, I mean, in thinking about this topic, I, I think it, its genesis was in the fact that so many shows, to me, seem to have been canceled recently that I watched. And that doesn't mean the shows are great and that I'm going to miss them or anything, like all the shows. But, you know, like... V got canceled, which I, I'm probably not going to miss, but it was something that I was watching from week to week. And Stargate Universe uh, started to get a little better towards the end, so I, I kind of am sad that there's not going to be any, you know, space kind of show on the air. It seems like. I mean, I think I'll I'll be looking forward to maybe Warehouse 13 on Sci-Fi, but to, to me, I'm thinking, oh, you know, there's really not any, you know, and there's no Battlestar Galactica, there's no kind of thing coming up. Until they do the, what, the blood and chrome thing, whenever that comes out. And, you know, Smallville's kind of over with. And, like, for me, the, the one show they canceled that I was really kind of unhappy about that was out was The Human Target. And I was kind of like, oh, that's too bad, you know. It, was a, it, it wasn't totally faithful to the comic book. I, I think when I first, you know, read about it, I was kind of, oh, well, he's not going to... He's not going to disguise himself. I'm all, well, why, why is the show called The Human Target then? I don't get it. But yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed the show. I liked, uh, I liked watching Jackie or Haley, you know, week after week. Like he was a pretty, his character Guerrero is a pretty cool character and, and I like his work. Most of the cast was pretty good and, and it was a fun kind of action. It was kind of like a 24 light, you know, it didn't get super, super heavy. You know, it was more kind of like just, you know, typical action pieces and, you know, them getting out of jams and, you know, nice little setups and stuff. But, I, you know, I guess, you know, and they tried to retool it for the second season, but I guess whatever they did, you know, didn't have the numbers or whatever it was because, you know, it was it, they, they did that second season. And then, you know, I think just a couple, maybe a month ago or something, I think I read it was among the shows where they're like, well, we're not picking this up. And I just went, ah, that's a damn shame because I, you know, I enjoyed watching that show. And to me, I was like thinking, uh, you know, hey, there's a DC property that, you know, I thought was a decent show at least, you know. So I was kind of like, oh, well, that's too bad that it's gone. And then as far as like something like cartoons go, something I was really sad that didn't, you know, kind of before its time, kind of like the human target that didn't get, too much play was uh, Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. That was on the WB for a little while, or CW, or whatever. Yeah, and they got like, what, two seasons, right? Yeah, it was only two seasons long. I know the first season is is out on DVD, but it's only in singles, and I had been holding off because I really wanted, you know, I like buying season sets, but I actually, like, caved in because I kind of gave up on the idea that they're ever going to even release those in season sets or anything, and I don't even know if they'll release the uh, the second season officially or not or if it'll be some direct-to-DVD-R, you know, thing from the WB store one day or whatever. But, yeah, it was only two seasons, and, and you know, so it was like, what, 13 and 13? So it was only like 26 episodes, so they didn't even get close to the, the syndicated magic, you know, 65 number. You know, usually they do five seasons of 13 episodes these days. You know, so I was kind of, you know, I... I I was just looking forward to seeing, you know, more stuff. You know, I, I had hoped it would have been like, you know, the Titans or Batman or any of the other, you know, shows pretty much that had come before it, you know, that had five seasons worth of shows with the exception of something like Crypto. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I enjoyed uh, watching the show. I thought, you know, Superman or, you know, it, it was really Superboy, but I guess they couldn't say it because of legal shenanigans. But 
to me, it was much better in handling the team dynamic, I thought. You know, like Superman didn't look like a, you know, he didn't uh, and get owned by manhole covers every five <laughs> minutes. And, he wasn't you know, a fucking I, I, twink. <laughs> I, yeah, he looked like a twink, but, but uh, you know, yeah, he, uh, but, but no, he didn't. I, I said he, he wasn't a twink. He actually got to do something. Oh, oh, he wasn't a twink. Well, actually, you know, first season character design, he kind of looked kind of slim. I don't think Big Country would have been too happy with that. <laughs> but, um by the second season, they kind of buffed him up a little bit in the character design, and then they, they had another kind of Superman clone character or whatever that was kind of interesting. He was kind of kind of a lot like uh, Superboy and Young Justice almost. You know, he's kind of a little more angry, like Rar, you know, I never learned to read kind of <laughs> Superboy-ish thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. He was kind of He was kind of similar to the characterization of Superboy and Young Justice. And, yeah, so, I mean, it, yeah, I... It was just a show that that I thought, you know, they did a couple different arcs from from some of the Legion comics, but I thought it had a lot more room to, you know, I, like anything else, like with those series, I was expecting, you know, three more seasons, and I was definitely uh, disheartened when I was kind of like, oh, there's no more, oh, that sucks, you know. So yeah, just just wasted potential. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, that, that's pretty much. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and do mine because mine's really in the same boat. Everybody's talked about this show a lot online. It's got a big cult following. They call themselves Brown Coats. But I have to give Firefly props because this show I didn't want to watch. When it first came out, I was like, Space Cowboys, rawr. <laughs> um, <laughs> I admit there's a little bit of a bias there. I didn't, I didn't even really realize that Whedon was writing it, and I had actually become a big fan of Angel and Buffy, and I was like, I don't care. It's you know, Space Cowboys, whatever. But a friend of mine got me into it. They had the, they had the uh, whole season one, uh, well, season only uh, DVD set, and I watched them all in order, which completely helps because Fox. The reason why I said the Fox syndrome, Fox has a tendency of picking up shows, and if they're not, you know, automatic hits, or if they're not sure about them, they'll play them out of order. They'll just yeah, them whenever they want. That was that was pretty awful. I mean, I because I, I was a person who watched. You know, I knew it was. I knew Whedon was doing the show. I was kind of looking forward to it. You know, I tried my best to DVR everything. But like like you say, when they, I mean, they air, they made a two hour pilot that would have made sense. You know, like and you get to see that on the DVD in friggin' order. But that's not what they showed. They showed like the second episode, which was like the pseudo fake hip fox hour long, but doesn't make a bunch of sense, but will make sense because it's got action in it. Pilot instead, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're just kind of like, why? It, it, you know, you it seemed like it was like you know, kind of like Dollhouse too. It's like, oh, they they just made the show so they could axe it. Like, it just sometimes you wonder, like, what are these people thinking? Like, why why spend all this money on the show and hire all these people if if you're not gonna, you know? I mean, what they they it, hopefully the show would take off, but it seemed like they they were planning on you know killing the shows before it even gets its foot out the door almost, you know? Yeah, like, I, we want an immediate hit. We want huge numbers for a show we kind of promoted, kind of. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the reason I got into it was the writing. The special effects were good for a show that didn't have, like, you know, paramount money behind it like Star Trek or something. For what it was, it had really good special effects. The writing was really tight. The characters were awesome. That's probably my favorite part of the show had a lot of great characters. Uh, Brian mentioned that it kind of they like kind of ripped off Cowboy Bebop. 
I could see that, but also like Cowboy Bebop, they had like a lot of really memorable characters. You know, all the characters. Uh, I don't. I remember people were saying the same thing about Outlaw Star when the show first came out. But I mean, I I don't know. I mean, who knows if Whedon watches that stuff or not? But I mean, to me, it seems way different than that. I mean, if anything, it, it, some of the space qualities remind me in a weird way of Gundam, in the way that they have the the Zeon are almost like. You know, America declaring its independence against the, you know, the British, you know, and that kind of weird dichotomy of, you know, the, the South versus the North in some ways with the brown coats and all that kind of historical context, but in the sort of a science fiction setting, you know, so. It was also, I also like some of the science elements that they actually tried to incorporate. Like, this is the only space show you will probably ever see with no sound effects when they're in space because there's no sound in space, you know, and they actually tried to go for that. They tried to make it look real, you know. They they did a really good job of making space kind of scary, you know. It wasn't just like, we're going to fly to this planet and we're going to totally get provisions and we're going to warp to the next place. And it's like, no, we're out of fuel and we're drifting and this could kill us. That would never happen in Star Trek as far as like an episode unless the Romulans attack first, you know. And also we've got a cargo hold full of cows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the other thing I kind of remember is getting into fights with people about, you know, some people were trying to convince me, like, that somehow it ripped off Battlestar Galactica. And I'm kind of like, this show was dead and canceled before Battlestar Galactica even, you know, the the, the revive, you know, the the reimagining or, you know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Right. The, the, the new Battlestar Galactica, the way, you know, how how the in Firefly and and. Battlestar Galactica, when they kind of do the outer space shots, it's a very documentary feel where they're like zooming in on the the ship and it gets kind of fuzzy and out of focus or they have the glare and that kind of, you know, docu feel. And I just kind of, you know, I remember kind of going, well, no, Firefly did that like a million years, you know, you know, not a million yeah. years ago. But, you know, that was kind of my argument was, yeah, they did that way before. It was done on Battlestar Galactica. It's kind of like the people who, who get irate over the, the episode of Smallville where they have the Zod fighting with the, the gladiatorial fights with Clark and Green Arrow or whatever. And uh, to a buddy of mine, uh, you know, his fiance is on Spartacus Blood and Sand. And he's kind of like, oh, they totally did a weak ass, you know, rip off of Spartacus. You know, in that episode, like the way they tried to do the like slow mo fighting and the ooh, look at me, I'm leaping up in the shield and I'm doing a slow mo and whatever, like you know. And it's like if you actually watch that show, it's actually a whole lot more skilled and better the way they kind of do the special effects and the the fight sequences than than that episode of Smallville. And you know, kind of like the same way, I was kind of like, oh yeah, well, Whedon did all this cool outer space stuff first, you know, um, yeah. in my mind anyway. Oh yeah, totally. I mean. I don't know if I would go as far as say it was a groundbreaking show, but I would say it presented it presented a lot of concepts that we know in a different way that that made it more unique. You know, it was like not just gotta go see the princess; she's in the Death Star, or you know, here come the bad guys. We will either talk them to death or maybe shoot them. Depends on if it's Janeway or Picard. We don't know. Um, <laughs> Speaking of princesses, uh, while I, I love Summer Glau very, very, very much, it seems like she's in all these canceled shows. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. She really and she gets the then, axe a lot. And then yeah. and I was watching the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I really liked, and then that got canned. And I have never seen an episode of The Cape, but thanks to our, our fellow fan home, Mike, I'm aware she was in it, and that show got quickly got the axe. Yes. So, 
thinking, well, what, you know, what's next for, for my girl summer? Like, what does she <laughs> do? Well, to be, to be fair, at least Firefly and Sarah Connor Chronicles probably shouldn't have been axed as early as they were. The cape, no, it kind of deserved what it got. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did. <laughs> well, it's kind of like what I was saying about V. I'm not going to cry any tears that that abomination was put out of its mission. <laughs> yeah, v was, a, v was a guilty pleasure at, at most for me. <laughs> they just didn't have enough cake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Firefly, you will be missed. And the only thing I will say as far as that is we miss you, Wash. It was a real damn shame they killed you in the movie. Wash, you would make an awesome Ant-Man. <laughs> true that true that uh, i do believe uh mike is actually on the same page with you as far as one thing derek i do believe your canceled show was also animated am i correct yes well I, i'm gonna mention a couple of them but the foremost one is spectacular spider-man which was the last yes uh spider-man cartoon uh they're coming out with a new spider-man cartoon uh i think later this year uh, based on the ultimate comics but, uh, agent of Shield, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and he gets his <laughs> own cool video watch, so that you know, foe. Tracy is so <laughs> mad right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say so. Fake Samuel L. Jackson can call him or whatever, you know. Dick Tracy's like, it's the only thing I've got. <laughs> I've got a video watch and spider powers. <laughs> But not a fedora. <laughs> uh, no, but anyway, um, you know, Spectacular Spider-Man was, like, pretty much my ideal Spider-Man show. And because of some, you know, corp- corporate shilly-shallying, I guess, it got canned way before its time. It still got, you know, 26 solid episodes out. But, you know, there was so much more they could have done. And, you know, I would have loved to have seen it. Um, even, you know, it, it ends on a pretty... Not conclusive note, but, like, it's not a cliffhanger, really. But, you know, Season 2 set up a whole load of things that would have shown up in Season 3, like, you know, uh, the Jackal, the Hobgoblin, the Scorpion. They all are hinted at at Season 2, but they they were going to be shown in Season 3, but that never happened. So, yeah, so, and it's a Greg Wiseman show. He's currently working on Young Justice. So you know he had he as crazy prepared and uh, good with planning as he is. He probably had like you know season three and four of Spectacular Spider-Man the storyline at least already in the can. But you know, I, I guess it was on the WB, and then it moved to Disney XD, and then I forgot why Sony just took too long to renew the license for a Spider-Man cartoon. I guess I don't know. I don't know why exactly they didn't renew it, but... Is, is Sony making this new one, or...? I don't know exactly. Like, yeah, I didn't really look that deeply into why. I just, you know, I was just kind of crushed that they didn't... It yeah. didn't happen, so I was like, oh... That was, to me, was a very... It was, it, I, I, dare I say, it was it was a perfect Spider-Man show. Like, yeah. I really, really did like it. So. Even the things, like, I... Even, the, even there were a few things I was annoyed with, but, you know... It was minor. It was very, like, minor in the face of uh, everything that the show did right. Like, uh, the things I was annoyed with, bro. I was just going to say bro, <laughs> but bro is so cool, bro. bro. <laughs> yeah, well, at least, you know, Venom was a credible villain in that show, you know. Yeah. No, I I, I got to say, they really amalgamated what 
the best things of all the, like, I'm not, by far, I am not Mr. Venom. I'm not a staunch advocate or supporter of, of Venom in most forms, but I think they really did a great job of taking, you know, the, the college Lex Luthor, I'm your buddy friend thing from the Ultimates, and then taking the, the actual sort of McFarlane looking, cool looking suit that everybody remembers and loves, you know, and, and sort of, you know, taking, you know, all those things and, and merging them into a sort yeah, of definitely. You know, instead of it being, you know, the, you know, obviously the, the, the bra of Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man, I think is kind of stupid. I don't think he even, he, I don't think he even said, we want to eat your brains. Right. <laughs> but, uh, Are they ever going to sell yeah. toys without that? <laughs> yeah. The one that I loved the attention to detail on that show. Like every supporting or extra character was actually taken from the comics. Like even like, even characters that weren't even named, like, Greg Wiseman like would would pop up on certain message boards and be like, "Hey, did you look in the classroom and did you see like the the student like sitting three rows behind Peter? Well, that was so and so from you know Amazing Spider-Man like four hundred and something. You know he he'd do stuff like that, which I thought was awesome. You know because his his reasoning was why should we make up characters when like there's such a rich mythology of stuff we can pick from. So, yeah. I mean, it was just cool, really cool stuff like that. I also wanted to have honorable mention for two other shows. Gargoyles, which ironically is also ah, a yeah. Greg Wiseman show. It had a very healthy run of, like, I think it was like 50-something episodes in two seasons. Then they, they moved to ABC, and they did one more season, but uh, Greg Wiseman was not involved within it. And it, it, uh, it was Gargoyles, the Goliath Chronicles. And it was like, it wasn't bad, but it was like the blandest, like, crap imaginable. It, I yeah. say it's not bad, but it, but then I call it <laughs> crap in the same breath. Yeah. But it was just like, you know, compared to what Greg Wiseman was planning to do with the next season, it, it's just like, you know, it's like instead of getting, like, Coke, you get, like, water. <laughs> like you know, I I can't I can't even like don't don't mock a, the nutritional value of water. Just I don't like water. Is. Water <laughs> is just bland. You, you you wanted Coke and they gave you like diet Shamrock Pepsi or whatever. That <laughs> you, like Pepsi Crystal Diet or something. <laughs> I don't, and, and another show that had a similar fate um that I wanted to mention was Exo Squad. Exo Squad is pretty much. I don't know. Like, have any of you guys ever watched Exo Squad? Yeah, I have not. Yeah, I've seen okay, a well, it, here and there, but I I don't remember it very well. I would, Derek. I'd I'd recommend it because it's like it, if it caught on, it would it was it's basically America's Gundam, pretty much. Oh, but okay. it didn't it didn't catch on. But it it also had a very healthy run of like forty or fifty episodes. But and and they very much concluded the show at the end of the second season. But then they had to do one more episode. That like yeah. <laughs> was gonna be the start of a third season, and that's when the show ended. And like you know, they they start off all these awesome plot lines and like this big cliffhanger, and then the show ends. So uh, <laughs> uh, gotta love stuff like that. But in, unfortunately, all of these shows, Spectacular, Gargoyles, and uh, Exo Squad, the first season sets of all of them are out on DVD, but it seems like all the the next, the second and final seasons are all in limbo right now. So I'm hoping like eventually they'll all get released. But 
Yeah, I hope we'll I hope they do a season two set of of spectacular. But yeah, I think that's they that's have, that's the most likely I'd say that that will they, still come out. But they have Arcor. singles of those. But I like I said, I don't like buying. Singles. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cheesy. Yeah, but I was gonna say Exo Squad and Gargoyles. Like they released the first. Well, Gargoyles they released. Season one, then season two, part one, and then season two, part two hasn't come out yet. And like part one came out like four or five years ago. <laughs> and yeah, that, yeah, it reminds me of like all the Rhino stuff where now it's like all of a sudden Shot Factory is gonna like, you know, finish them all off. You know. Yeah. About that. Exo Squad, they only re- released the first season on DVD, so I don't know if and when the second season will ha- that'll happen. But how how many episodes are in that first season? Of the first Exo season Squad? is only like thirteen, and then like they have you know the bulked up second season of like you know thirty something or forty episodes. Oh, okay. Kind of like Transformers did. And same deal with Gargoyles. They had, like, a first season of 13 episodes, and then their second season was, like, 40 to 50 episodes. But, you know. What did, what did ExoSquad normally air on? Like, what network? It was syndicated. I know that. Yeah, one. it was syndicated. Yeah. It didn't have any specific network. It just oh, okay. was all over the place. Uh, by the way, also, in case any of you guys are vintage toy collectors, the ExoSquad toy line from Playmates is also very awesome. Very good. Yeah, toy. it was yeah. a very good toy line, yeah. Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to throw this at you, Mike, just to let you know. I decided to look up the uh, new Spider-Man series just to give you a little information. It's on Wikipedia, so subject to change or whatever the actual information is. It's going to be produced and written by Brian Michael Bendis and Paul Denny. <laughs> yeah. And it is actually based off the Ultimate storyline, so it will actually be Ultimate Spider-Man. So I guess Nick Fury being Samuel L. Jackson is okay. And the production company is actually Marvel Animation. I don't know if that means Sony's going to release it, but the production company's Marvel, so we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know, like no. ben, I, I always give Bendis props for Ultimate Spider-Man, and you know, Paul Dini's pretty good all the time. So you know, yeah. yeah. For some reason, for some reason, in the middle of like one of the episodes, Batman's going to come in and beat the crap out of Spider-Man. Well, more <laughs> likely, like Zatanna is going to show up or something. Yeah, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah, Harley Quinn and Zatanna will, will have a three-way with people. <laughs> yeah. Well, one one thing one thing Ultimate Spider-Man has going for it is uh, J.K. Simmons is going to be voicing Jameson in it, and which will be nice seeing yeah. as how there's not going to be any J. Jonah in the new movie. Yeah, suppose. And, and to a lesser extent, they just announced the other day that uh, Topher Grace will be voicing Eddie Brock in Venom. So that's. You know, he's not great, but it's still a nice bit of, you know, he's a good actor, and it's a nice bit of continuity, at least. Yeah, and, you know, seriously, it's kind of nice that he got a job, because really, what has he been doing? <laughs> he was in Predators. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was in Predators, and yeah. he, he was quite the actor in Predators. <laughs> yeah, I liked him in Predators, actually. He was the bad guy. He <laughs> likes being bad. Ruin it! God damn it! <laughs> damn it! I've spoiled it for everyone who didn't see Predators. You killed Predators for everyone. Uh, he likes or... being bad. It makes him happy. Once uh, again, folks, send your e- angry email to yes. Podcast at <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> we'll read them on the air. For the future! By the way, speak, speaking of people who may not have been as impressive as they should have been in a role... Let's go ahead and go to the future and talk about our favorite upcoming twink, Conan. 
quantify twinks so we don't make twinks across America mad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's just a a guy we know who is very unhappy that they've cast. Uh, what is his name again? Momo. What is his name? His name's Jason. Yeah, I think it's Jason Momo. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he was on Stargate Atlantis. He was the guy with the the dreadlocks and stuff. I forgot his character's name. Was not a big Ronin. Atlantis fan. Ronin. Ronin. Yes. Miller wrote all of his <laughs> dialogue. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. But yeah, he's he's the new Conan for you this upcoming film. He doesn't look bad. I mean, he's a guy who's in shape. I mean, he's not like flipping, you know, Green Lantern fan who's like, you know, totally out of shape and like rolling around on his, you know, fat rolls. But I know, right? Is, I know, right? <laughs> Woo! But uh. <laughs> But the problem our friend has, well, our associate, I guess I would call him, is the guy is not super buff, big bodybuilder like Schwarzenegger, which I can see Schwarzenegger did make Conan a very memorable character, but I'm not really sure what they're going for in this movie. They seem, supposedly it's supposed to be meant more based off Howard's books, right? Is it based I, you know, to be honest, I, I can't really tell one way. I, I'm not that familiar with Howard's books. I've read some Conan comics, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm any means an expert on Conan. I, I remember thinking, like, I, I read up about him a little bit and kind of thought that some of the stuff with Tulsa Doom was kind of interesting. You know, the dynamic between how Howard viewed him and Conan as sort of conflicting forces of nature and stuff like that. But, uh, as far as the actual movie goes, when when the announcement was made, I was pretty open-minded to it. I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, he, he seemed like a pretty, you know, intense guy on, on Stargate Atlantis. You know, so, I, you know, to me, I was just kind of like a wait-and-see kind of thing. And honestly, like, seeing him as Conan doesn't make me go, oh, no, like, Conan's ruined forever, you know, <laughs> but... At the same time, you know, the trailer itself just kind of looks like a movie that should have been aired on, like, the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> and by that, I mean, you know, a movie that should be in, you know, the $5 bin that has, you know, kind of cheesy-looking sanctuary green screen effects. You know, it seems like the whole movie was shot like that. And and not like, I, and I don't mean that in a complimentary way, like it looks like <laughs> 300 or something. I mean, it looks like fucking they... We're running around on a green screen doing stupid shit the whole time. And I'm not really keen on, you know, I, I mean, maybe I'll rent it or something when it comes out. But but nothing in that trailer has screamed to me, oh, geez, I got to get my butt in a seat and watch this, you know. It's like, it's like they were, like, on the set doing all these action things and some guy was yelling at them, hey, you guys got to hurry up. Tosh Pono is about to film. You know? <laughs> I can't say it looks bad, but I can't say it looks good. Bad. Ad being like horrible, I don't ever want to see it ever. I would probably watch it, but yeah, you're right, Derek. I would watch it if I bought it in a five dollar bin, or you know, when it eventually does go to Sci Fi Saturday Night as like you know their feature premiere. I just yeah, I'm very ambivalent about it. Not happy, not sad. Just hey, look, there's that guy from Atlantis. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what, what do you think about it, Justin? I pretty much agree. I think it does look uh, a bit cheesy. It looks a little bit too much like you know. One of the Mummy movies or Prince of Persia or something, you know. Not that I didn't enjoy those movies, which I do. I just it doesn't seem like Conan to me. As far as the actual story goes, I don't believe it's based on any of Howard's works. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I'm pretty sure it's just something somebody, you know, 
dreamed up, you know, like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, Conan went off and did this and, you know, was with a bunch of ladies and had some tacos or something. I don't know. It just seems like something they threw <laughs> Ladies and tacos. It's all Conan needs. I mean, that would be a good time for me or something, but, you know, for Conan, it wouldn't be very entertaining. The director was just sitting there like, I am so going to piss off Big Country with this movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. They could be like, where's the giant spider Conan needs to fight or, you know, something completely You're making ridiculous. me about the, uh, the Conan video game where you, like, bust into, like, these random, like, you know, bamboo prisons and, like, you free all these, like, naked women and stuff. And they're like, hee hee, thank you, Conan. <laughs> I want to play that game. But, yeah, I don't... I don't have a lot of high hopes for it. I'm going to go see it anyway, but I'm just, you know, not very optimistic about it, I guess. There seems to be a general air of blah about it. Do you kind of yeah. keep that? You got to keep that feeling there, Mike? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I actually I saw the trailer in front of Thor for the first time, and I was just like, yeah. I know my roommate actually has read some of the the books, the like the original things, and he says like this movie is supposed to be like more faithful to them, like and more like hyper violent and stuff like that. But you know, I was just looking at it, and it's just like you guys said. I was like, it kind of looks like a sci-fi movie or something. I mean, my experience with Conan is limited to you know the Schwarzenegger movies, and you know. The the uh, cartoon you're uh, Conan the Adventurer <laughs> Conan not not the, uh, not the not not the completely awesome love action series. No. So no. so what you're saying is you're saying what the fuck is that annoying fucking Phoenix Bird's name that that Phoenix Bird is not going to be in the movie? He's no, like, I guess not. And, and his his multicultural friends or whatever they were. <laughs> I, I hated that fucking bird, man. <laughs> and, and who did he, who did he I fought a pomegranate? <laughs> and he like he fought like Serpentor or something. Like what, what the hell was that? Yeah, it was like they were all the like snake people or something like that. So like he had a, like a sword made of like star metal or something, and he would like slash them, and they'd all like go, Aah! and they stopped like, possessing like the poor idiots that he just like lopped their heads off or whatever. <laughs> they'd go. Oh, his name was his name was Needle. Okay, I, I, was, I was looking it up too to help you out. <laughs> needle. needle needs a pomegranate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so like as long as long as the movie is not better than that cartoon i probably you know will not like it or like it i don't know i don't know what i just said (laughs) i I feel gypped now i think i need to see a a cgi needle demanding pomegranates with jason It'll be it'll be like the friggin' like robot owl clock in Clash of the Titans. <laughs> it'll just show up. It's like if you wait if you wait till after the credits in the movie, like needle shows up in the post credits. <laughs> all he says he needs, he needs a pomegranate. Needle needs pomegranate. And and then then that should also be a cameo for Schwarzenegger. He can walk in all dressed as Conan and be like, "Enough talk!" and throw a knife into him. <laughs> I'm not giving you any pomegranates. <laughs> and then oh, Schwarzenegger God. and Needle go through the Stargate. <laughs> nice. 
We are sending you back to where you belong. <laughs> uh, oh, oh my god, Scott McNeil was involved with the animated series. That's horrible. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was like always making his his like Wolverine Piccolo Rar voice or whatever. <laughs> I can only yeah, was, I can do one line with that. Prepare yourself, Goku. <laughs> it's time. Ah, thank you, thank you, Conan, for giving us so many things to laugh about. Boy, I, I'm kind of glad I never got into Conan. Apparently, it all sucks, except for like the first movie. <laughs> Apparently, it all sucks. Well, well the uh, Robert E. Howard stories are pretty good. I've read not all of them, but most of them. Those are pretty good and entertainable. But it seems like you know, aside from the first movie, it's all just poorly imitation imi- uh, imitated, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, view at your own risk, folks, but like all of us have said, you probably have a good chance of seeing it for five bucks in the uh, Walmart bin in about a year after it's released. How's your parrot? Needle, my parrot needle is Good times, good times, guys. Yeah, Conan might suck horribly, but on the other hand, on the other hand there's stuff that is always awesome every week, and we do try to give you something to look at, maybe watch, read, or listen to. Let's go into our awesome thing of the week this week. Right now, pretty much me, I've had kind of a hard week of trying to find something really cool. I've been working a whole lot. I would say probably the only thing that's really awesome that I managed to kind of get into really has been just the fact that, like, this sounds really sad. I'm really unhappy that this is the coolest thing I've done this week. WrestleCraft Forums is back online. It's called WrestleHole. And it's just a bunch of guys who talk about wrestling and make fun of it and stuff. But I really enjoy it. There's a lot of funny guys there. If you know what WrestleCrap is, you probably do. Even if you're not a huge wrestling fan, it's a pretty popular website. They have just restarted their forums this week. I've had a lot of fun posting there this week. So if you get a chance, check it out. I know it's not anything major, but I've had fun on it this week. What about you, Justin? What's your awesome thing this week? Well, I'm back to reading this week. I just read uh, A Wizard of Earthsea. It's the first uh, Earthsea book, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really short. It was not even 200 pages, but uh, it was really good, so I'm looking forward to reading the next books. And I've also got the Studio Ghibli animated version of it. I'm getting ready to watch that uh, probably here tomorrow sometime, so I'm looking forward to reading more Earthsea and watching the anime. What about you, Derek? Got something awesome for us to uh, get into this week? Uh, it's just a bit of news that I was I was happy to hear, which is that the ninth season of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will be released on DVD on August 16th. And so I've been, you know, obviously I keep up with all that kind of comic stuff. And, you know, it, it seemed like they had released season eight a while ago, and some people were wondering if they were going to, you know, ever finish up with... Uh, Season 9, there, there are like four episodes of season 10 on the first season DVD, but, you know, people were wondering, oh, are they going to release season 9 and 10? And then I think there's a couple random episodes that they left out, so who knows, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll tack those onto season 10 or something. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I'll be able to pick up season 9. I actually have seen, like, a lot of people really annoyed that they never did do, like, season 9 justice, so that's some cool news for some Turtle fans out there. How about you, Mike? What's cool over there, man? Something awesome for us this week? Well, actually, since since Brian isn't here, I'll do a video game, actually. Um, 
I was in the mood for like a new fighting game, so I went to GameStop and like was looking through a bunch of like 360 games, and I ended up picking up uh, the last uh, Dragon Ball's uh, fighting game, a uh, Raging Blast 2 for 360. <laughs> That's good. Well, I've been I've been in a Dragon Ball Z mood for the last few weeks. I've been rereading the manga, so that probably influenced the decision. And you know, oh, like all the <laughs> Raging Blast, yeah, two. You know, like all Dragon Ball fighting games, it's a it's a pretty mediocre fighting game. But since it's about Dragon Ball Z, you know, if you're a fan, you'll love it. it just looks awesome. It, you you never get sick of like throwing someone through a mountain and then firing a giant energy blast after them, which destroys the entire mountain and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's, so it's very. That, what's what's your experience with previous Dragon Ball Z fighting games? I mean, is it is it comparable to any of the Budokai games? Is yeah, it, it's a, it's it, a lot better, I'd say. It's it's. Kinda, oh really? Okay. Have any of you guys uh, played? I kind of enjoyed. So. Well, it's kind of. Have, have any of you guys played a virtual on? I actually the, have. Yeah, the the like robot game. Yeah, like in the arcade, even yeah, with the sticks and all that. Like, well, I basically, play, I didn't play it in the arcade. Well, in whatever case, I was going to say, like, basically this is like Virtual On, but with Dragon Ball Z characters. So it, 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 it's pretty easy to pick up. and Well, it's not easy to master, but it's easy to figure out, you know, how to hit people and fire giant blasts out of your hands and whatnot. And uh, it's very cinematic, you know. Uh, whenever someone transforms or, like, does, like, a special or a super, you know, you get this little cool cut scene where they, like, you know, do stuff. And, you know, energy swirls all around them. And, like, there's a thing where you go into, like, this berserk combo mode. And, like, uh, the game's, like, theme song starts playing. So you got, like, you're hitting people through mountains while, like, this high-paced J-pop is playing, which is kind of (laughs) cool. It's got, like, a hundred characters in it. Like, they're really, like, digging the... Yeah, the, the, and it, they didn't even have to resort to any, like, GT characters. They really, like, dug the bottom of the, like, DBZ barrel. It's, like, random henchmen from Movie 7 or whatever it is. <laughs> this, nice. This, so so Mr. Mr. Popo can, like, kick lots of ass <laughs> and reach the black, too? I was not in it. I was surprised. What? No, you tell no. bottom of the barrel and I can't be Mr. Uh, Popo? You can, you can be Chaozu, but you can't be Mr. Popo. No, no. Chaozu's not good enough, dude. <laughs> You can you can be five different kinds of Gohans. I mean, Eric, the Gohans Eric are pissed. easy, but I don't know, dude. You, you know, Mister Popo? No, I guess not. I was like, you got Gohans from like all the like his whole like life in this fighting nice. game. You got like cool. five year old Gohan, ten year old <laughs> Gohan, sixteen year old Gohan, then like upgrade sixteen year old Gohan at the end of the Boo saga. Then uh, you got like Grizzle. Oh, as long as they don't have to play as a got hit by a manhole cover Gohan from GT. So. <laughs> no, no. You got well. You've got a grizzled like cable Gohan from Trunks's alternate future. Oh wow. And it's really Arm, armless Gohan. Yeah, he he does have both his arms because I guess uh, they were too la- lazy to animate him with only one arm. But he does all his moves with only one arm, so that's pretty cool. He uh, like yeah, he does like a one-handed kamehameha and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool. And also essential for like a DBZ like purist like me, you can like choose between the Japanese voices or the American ones for the game. So is this you know, is this all Funimation dub. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't hate the Funimation dub. I've actually kind of grown fond of them over the years. But like you know, nothing beats you know Japanese Vegeta yelling "Big Bang Attack." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with this game so far. So that's my thing for the week. 
I'll just be happy if he could play as Vegeta with Batman shirt, his Batman. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of alternate costumes, so maybe he does have it. You know, <laughs> that's all I want. That's all I want. You get okay, that cool. Go, that one. You get that one like Goku when he came back from that planet where he learned how to teleport costume. Oh, you mean Renaissance hmm. Goku? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twink go, Goku. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that that word is just burned into our lexicon now. Good times, good times, guys. Uh, this has been a really fun show. Unfortunately, I think it is getting time for the professor to hit the bed. So we will be here next week with more fun, more fan holes, and hopefully we'll be able to spring Brian from that negative zone prison. We are not going to get the jack of hearts again. Screw him. So I want to go ahead and sign off for me. This is Tony Chainclaw. This is Derek WC. Mike Thunderwing Justin Grimlock Evil serpent men back into another dimension and vanquishing their leader the cruel wizard Rathamon <laughs> <laughs>